This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Well, it's Tevis time, everybody, and I am Glenda Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada, and you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for July 12th, episode 1470. Good morning, horse world. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned... And completing the challenge is the challenge. You're an endurance rider. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. But don't fence me in. Let me be by myself in the evening breeze. Listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees. Send me up forever. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. It's Super Bowl time, Karen. Yeah, it is for endurance riders. <laughs> yes, that's right. It's uh, it, the, the Endurance Riders Super Bowl coming up. We have uh, so much we have to get to in the show today, and we didn't get a chance to talk before the show started. So we're going to have to just get caught up on everything right on the air. I know. There's a lot to talk about. It, it's so exciting. There's well, so much going on. It's well, so fun. Well, Jennifer, give us a clue so we can get the show started. <laughs> Coming up on today's endurance episode, following Karen's latest adventure review, our favorite part of the show, we're going to chat about avoiding heat stress in horses by acclimation. Woohoo, something different. And then we are going to chat with Dr. Julie Bullock about uh, more of heat stress. And Krista Turnage is going to stop by and tell us about how we can follow along with all of the excitement that is the Western States Trail. Is it ride? Is that what they call it? Ride? Um, I think so, yes. Western States Trail Ride. We commonly refer Better to known it as, as Tevis. The Tevis. Yes. Better known as Tevis? How would and Karen know? She's only ridden it 10 times. The, six, the 61st. Yeah, 61st. <laughs> yes. How long? have been doing I, I, this for 61 years now. So 61 years for this ride. Has it always been the same track? No, it, it, there's been some changes over the years to reroute around certain sections and stuff. And, and like this year, there was a fire or, or they're still actually getting the fire put out called the Trailhead Fire in Forest Hill. And it burned over 5,000 acres and it did burn a section of the Western States Trail. And they still have not been able to get down there and assess, oh, you know, wow. the damage to see if we're able to use that section of trail or not, or if, if they can't, then there is a, a way they might be able to reroute around it. Ah, got it. Okay. Yeah, no, that something that happened a couple of years ago and burned that one bridge uh, that they had to rebuild. Exactly. The, uh, the, the swinging bridge down in the bottom of the canyon did burn and, and they got it rebuilt. And, and so now, you, you know, and, and what they did, they were able to get the horses across the river and, uh, and, and so, you know, they could still run the ride, but it did take, you know, a, a while to get, to get it rebuilt. 
And let's uh, back up a little bit. For everybody that's joining us, we have a lot of new listeners and, and listeners that may not be familiar with Tevis. I, I think almost every horse person has probably heard of it, but if you haven't, so the Tevis Cup goes from where to where, and it's like it's like the the ultimate. It's, it is the Super Bowl in endurance riding here in the United States because of terrain and just the whole thing makes it difficult. Right. All the famous pictures you see, ones I post of Karen, are going over Cougar Rock, mm-hmm. which is part of uh, Tevis and looks absolutely just death-defying, frightening. <laughs> but uh, So that's a right. lot of the dramatic pictures you see. So w- tell us about where it goes. It's not a circle. This is a, what are the a linear point, rides? It's a point-to-point point 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 ride. Yep. and Right. So that adds additional challenges for the rider, the horse, and the crew, and ride management. They end up actually having something like 800 volunteers on this ride. Whoa. Uh, It's crazy. And they've got, you know, this huge team of veterinarians. And it starts in Truckee, California, which is just um, at the north end of Lake Tahoe. So when you start the ride, if you turn and look back, you can see Lake Tahoe, which is really cool. And so then you start from there, you head up over Squaw Valley, Immigrant Pass, you go through the Granite Chief Wilderness, and then you cross over the Sierras and you ride all all the way to Auburn. It is more of a downhill ride. Um, There's a lot of uphill as well. There's, um, I think it's like 23,000 feet of downhill and 19,000 feet of uphill, something like that. So, you know, you're doing this huge amount of elevation, you know, ascent and descent in order to to get to Auburn. So it's, you know, it's quite a a challenging event. And this year, this is going to be kind of cool. We'll talk to Krista later about this when when she's here um, about uh, they're going to have tracking devices on the horses this year for the first time. So people will be able to follow along or follow their riders that have the tracking devices and actually see where they are and, and how they're progressing through the ride. It's going to be kind of cool. Now this, um, is give people an idea of the topography, what you're going through and the trails. Are these really narrow one horse trails or is it a little bit of everything on this ride? It's, there is a little bit of everything. There's, um, rocks and boulders, you know, the granite chief wilderness, there's, uh, slabs of granite and rocks, uh, that are wet. There's mud bogs, single trail um there's some sections where there's some you know wider you know jeep road kind of um type stuff but there is a lot of single track trail which you know it's good and bad you know those are the fun kind of trails that we like to ride but when you're out there with another 180 or 200 horses you know a lot of times if you know you can kind of get stuck you know behind a bunch and you know, it's not real easy to pass or get around, you know, so that's where a lot of the strategy comes into play with, you know, trying to get yourself, um, you know, situated in a spot where you're comfortable and your horse is comfortable so you can get through it, you know, without feeling like you're even, you know, being stuck having to go too fast or, you know, you want to go faster and you can't because you can't get around people. So, you know, as you go along during the ride, things, you know, spread out a lot more and and get a lot better. There's a lot of canyons where there's a lot of steep switchbacks where you're just going, you know, back and forth down the switchbacks and, you know, and, and it's kind of rough. There's a lot of rocks, that sort of thing. There's water crossings, um, you know, just, 
you know, quite a bit of variety. There's, you know, towards the end of the ride, you know, there's, you're riding along the side of the American River up on the the edge. So there, there are some drop-offs that um, I, I prefer not to go look at during the daylight. I just... <laughs> Write them in the dark, and then I pretend I don't know. Oh, that well, that's there. the thing too. A lot of people don't realize you're doing a lot of this ride in the dark. Exactly. Yes. In fact, for the majority of the riders, once you leave Forest Hill, which is around sixty some miles into the ride, from that point on, for most of us, we're in the dark. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. Now, so, I do want to say our, you know, our. Our thoughts are with, uh, there There was one of the volunteers that was marking the trail that lost her horse. Um, and I don't know her name. Do you know her name? I do. Okay. And, and, and yes, our condolences definitely go to uh, Lisa and Tux. Tux and Lisa actually rode in the Rose Parade with us and our Rose Parade group. Um, so, so yes. Yeah, so so we, basically her horse went to turn around on one of those cliffs, uh, where the was single track, as I understood her post and, uh, started falling right. down the hill. She managed to bail out and not go down with the horse, but the horse ended up falling like a hundred feet. So this is, uh, this is a dangerous trail. People, you know, we talk about it and it's all right. exciting and everything, but it's dangerous. It's still dangerous. <laughs> There's still, you know, and that's the thing with horses is they can hurt themselves at home. You know, there's, there's an inherent risk with, you know, everything we do with a horse, but yes, this trail, you, you know, you, you've got to, um, respect it because things like this can happen. And that was just a totally, absolutely tragic accident that was just so unfortunate. And, um, you know, and I'm just so sorry that that happened. I, I, you know, can't even imagine what she's going through because that would be, you know, so hard. Well, we're sorry uh, that she lost her horse and we're happy that she was able to bail out. Um, you know, right. Right. And that, that she's okay too. Well, you know, uh, there there are some colorful characters that ride this ride every year. One of those colorful characters won last year. Is he coming <laughs> back? Tell remind everybody who about him. That was Potato Richardson. Potato, yes, and, yes. I couldn't and, remember whether it was potato or pancake. I just couldn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> some, some sort of food. <laughs> yes, I know. And then we met, we went to Sedona shortly after that. And Jennifer will remember, was it Pancake, the guy at, in Sedona? Because we, we had potato on the air. Yes, and then it we, was Pancake. Pancake oh. runs the, the uh, Segway uh, thing that we did in Sedona. And his name was Pancake. And it was just so funny because we had just okay, talked to Potato. Yeah, and it, so I had Pancake and Potato all mixed up. So now Potato, this was like his fourth yeah. win or something, if I remember right. Uh, I think, yeah, yeah. at least he's uh, won a couple of times. Yeah. And, and so um, is he coming back? You know, I'm not really sure. I know he was leasing a couple of his horses out for international riders from oh, out gotcha. of the country to ride. You know, that's kind of a common thing um, for the riders that come from around the world. You know, we have riders coming from Australia, Japan, Portugal, all over. And so they lease horses that uh, that are familiar with the trail, and um, and then that gives them the opportunity to get to do this, which is pretty cool for them. Although you know, I'm not sure. You, you know, I I kind of like knowing my horse. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering about that. I mean, you you got a horse you don't really know all that well, and then you're going on a hundred miles of t- of really rough terrain. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, right, right. So, yeah, that takes guts to be able to do that. (laughs) You talk about building the bond. You don't have much time for bonding. It's just, (laughs) let's hope we get through this. No kidding. Now, who are you riding? Tell us about your preparation. You've done a couple rides in prep for this. I have. I'm riding Bo again. This will be hopefully his fifth time through. He's made it through four four starts and four completions out of on Tevis. And he just a couple months ago, back in May, passed 9,000 miles. And so, you know, I think he's a good solid horse. We just did the LaGrange Ditch 50 in Weaverville, California. Uh, I had my junior rode bow with me and I rode Chief, who actually just two rides ago um, passed 15,000 miles. Wow. Yeah. And so... Um, you changed his tires out? Yeah. Have you changed his Lush oil? Yeah, yeah. Changed his oil, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Now, so Chief, has Chief done Tevis before? He, too? he hasn't done Tevis because he gets so wound up when he gets stuck in a group and can't pass because he walks so fast. He, uh, you know, he outwalks Bo. He walks over he just, five miles. He will run him off the trail then. It's like, get well, out of my way. Well, that's just it. He's going <laughs> to, yeah, he will, he would want to pass all these slower horses in front of him. And, and on um, these narrow trails, of, not a good idea. <laughs> yeah, regardless of if there's trail there that he can actually pass on. So we just, didn't we chose to Wise not move, do that right <laughs> right but he's done you know kind of everything else uh, so so yes we went and did this ride down in in weaverville which is in northern california and it was a nice ride really a lot of fun a lot of single track trail a lot of narrow trail with drop-offs so it was pretty good practice for tevis in fact i think um after riding that ride there's nothing on tevis that's going to scare me <laughs> oh wow <laughs> That says something, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know. I know. And so my last, the, and then the ride before when that one, um, it, we had talked last month about the ride I did at Cache Creek where it just literally poured rain and we were slipping and sliding up and down the hills in the mud all day long. Remember uh, that? Yes. So, so then Friday night at this other ride I was at, the Wild West ride, it starts raining and it rained all night long. Mm. And so my alarm went off and I was like, oh no, I'm not going to, I don't want to do this again. I don't want to be out there riding in the mud all day up and down hills. And, you know, and, and so I finally, I was like, okay, I have to get up and go look. So I got up, I finally got up and it was, it's like a quarter after six and the ride start is at seven. And so I, I go out and I'm, in, I'm still in my pajamas and my camp neighbor is there and he's like, you know, he's from the Northwest and he's like, well, this isn't that much rain. This is no big deal. And I'm like, oh, gosh, darn it. So I went back and I, you know, got dressed. I had my breakfast. I got the horse tacked up, got his boots on, got ready. And I was still at the finish five minutes or at the start five minutes before. <laughs> So it's like, I think I got this down. <laughs> did you get your coffee though? Did you get coffee? I, yeah, I did. Okay. I right. did. Just... And and so so it turned out okay, actually, because the trail was in a lot of heavy, dense forest. It really didn't turn into mud. It just sort of softened the trail up a little bit and it wasn't bad. That's probably easier on their feet. 
Exactly. So, so we, you know, we did that, but you know, it was sort of like I was envisioning, you know, the slippery mud, you know, from that other ride. And I was like, Oh no, not again. I don't want to do that again. So, um, but you know, the endurance rider in me couldn't stand it. So I, (laughs) you had to go. And that was a long one, right? Um, that one was a three-day, uh, 155 mile ride, wow. and both horses did actually 105 miles that weekend because I rode um, uh, Chief two days, and then I rode Bow one day, and then the junior rider rode Bow one day. Wow, that's something. So, so that worked out really good. Well, before we run out of time, July 11th is an important day in your life. Yesterday, it was 7-11. Your 29th <laughs> wedding anniversary. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Yes, I know. Can you even, uh, I just, I can't even imagine. Yeah, we can because we're at 28. So uh, okay. if we get to, if we get wow. to the 16th, we're at somewhere oh, cool. around there. I have to, I'd have to calculate now what we're at. We'll be 28 in the 16th. So wow. congratulations. Well, thanks. Yes, I know. I can't. It just seems like, I mean, yesterday, it does not seem like 29 I years. I know. That's I just, know how you feel. That's crazy. And then and look at the you other... still out riding hundred mile races. I know. And then the other really kind of cool thing, because you know how Facebook always shows you your yeah. memories. So it pops up last night. I'm I'm working on the show notes uh, for for today, and it pops up on July 11th in 2013. Guess what I did? I don't know. You interviewed me for the stable scoop. Oh, really? About Tavis. Well, that was your first interview with us? That was my first interview with you. Oh, wow. I know. From 2000. And all of that led to this. You must it have did. been really good. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, if I called you back, you were good. Because so. I talked. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because we couldn't shut her up. See, the good interviews are the ones where we ask a question, and then for the next 20 minutes, we eat lunch, we can go to the bathroom, and when we come back, they're still talking. Uh-huh. See, that was you. That must have been you. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, congratulations. And by the way, thanks for reminding me it's our anniversary coming up because I had totally forgotten until now. Oh, Jennifer, yeah, did you remember? I did not. See? Thank we always the forget. The both of us forget. And then we'll be like in August sometime and we'll go, you know, we both forgot our anniversary again. But see, I don't get in trouble if she forgets. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, we picked we picked the perfect date, seven eleven, because um, Dave has to drive by a seven eleven every day. <laughs> so he remembers. It's, it's a constant <laughs> reminder. <laughs> Can't forget. He remembers that way. That's funny. Well, uh, congratulations on your anniversary hey. and on everything going on. And of course, uh, Tevis is coming up. It is uh, coming up in two weeks, and we'll be talking more about that as the show goes on. But first, you have an endurance tip for us, and then we'll get to our product of the week. I do, kind of along the theme of keeping our horses cool and avoiding heat stress. I decided, because this year, I decided to change my color. So I I have new tack from Distance Depot in teal, and I'm getting a new pair of crazy legs tights in this really cool teal pattern. And so I decided I had to have a scoop that matched. <laughs> now, explain to everybody what the a scoop, scoop is, is and for. It's a very simple thing, and I was going to talk a, a little bit about how to make one. And what it is, it's uh, like a gallon-sized jug, and you cut the bottom out of it and part of one side 
on the top side where the handle is so that you use it to scoop water out of a trough or uh, a creek or, you know, any water source. And you can use that to either water your horse with it. You know, they can drink out of it or you can scoop the water and put it on their necks to cool them off and, and wash them, you know, get, get them cooled down and wash off all the sweat and, and so that So this is something you bring along with you on the ride? You attach uh-huh. it to the saddle? And you just clip it onto your saddle and and it's very handy. A lot of rides, you're not they don't want you using a sponge because the sponge gets dirty and you can't just keep putting it back in the water and polluting the water with it. But a scoop, you know, you pour all the water out and, and so then you're not, you know, there's no chance that you're polluting the water source. So scoops are, are very popular um, with endurance riders. And most of the time we just use a gallon size um, jug container, like from say a gallon of bleach or a gallon of vinegar. And so you cut the bottom out of it, part of one side and a string with a, a some sort of a clip or a snap so that you can use that to attach to your saddle. And it hardly weighs anything, you know, it's just a few ounces and it, um, you know, it's, it's really not a big deal to, to carry one with you. It's especially for Nevada riders because most of our, um, water sources on a lot of the rides here are water troughs that are put out so that, um, yeah, you don't want to be dumping, dunking a, a nasty old sponge into that. No, exactly. So, so once you cut the bottom out and then you cut about a half to a third of the top on the, on just one side and I can, I'll get a couple photos we can post later to show this, um, you know, that's all you need to do and then make, you know, kind of use scissors and just sort of smooth the edges out. So there's no, you know, square edges, kind of make them smooth and then attach your, your snap or your clip to it with. You know, you can even use a hay string. It, you know, it doesn't have to be fancy. And and so what I did is I went to just Walmart and I looked at the the spray paint and I bought a uh, uh, some like Rust-Oleum spray paint in a teal color that says it's it, that it will work on plastic. And I just hung the scoop up in a tree and spray painted it. <laughs> and so now I have a matching yeah, you're scoop. Color co- you're totally color coordinated. Even I'm totally skin- color coordinated. Does this thing slap around a lot? It can't. You know, and that's the funny thing is that the ride that I just did a couple weeks ago, um, because there was a lot of really narrow knee knocker trees, the sponge was getting squished and banged into <laughs> quite a bit. So you, it's something, if you're going to use one and you've never used one before, make sure you show it to your horse ahead of time. Maybe perhaps when you're not on the horse, <laughs> you know, let him get used to the, you know, having the scoop attached on his saddle or, you know, if it's going to flop around and let him get used to, you know, maybe tapping it and making a sound with it so that the horse kind of has an idea that it's there and isn't going to panic or, or get nervous the first time you bump into a tree or something with it. Yeah, that was my first thought is, uh, you know, would it be flat bouncing around back there and just that would drive me crazy. But Right, right. Yeah, I have it on a really, sh- it's, you know, just a really short, the string is tied right to the clip. Ah. To the handle. So it's just clipped right there. So it doesn't really have, you know, any slacks. Well, this makes sense, especially being able to water the horse and then also to to uh, use it to, you know, use water on the horse. Right. 
Yeah, because sometimes yeah. there will be a creek or something and you really can't get your horse down into it easily. So then you can just kind of re- reach down yourself and fill the scoop up with the water and then hold it for the horse to drink out of. And some horses seem to actually, you know, there are times mine seem to prefer to want to drink out of the scoop. Well, yeah, they don't want to go all the way down into the water. It just takes That takes extra effort. I know. Make you do it. Well, sometimes it's just you can't get them in, and you know yeah, it's right. just too steep, or there's bushes. <laughs> there's no, there's, there's there is no right. risk yeah. of alligator attack from the scoop. That's right, <laughs> zero. I zero know. Risk. I know it's an endurance rider staple, and it's so funny because I was I kind of googled it, and there's like no pictures or images of endurance rider scoops anywhere. <laughs> so I'm gonna have to <laughs> sum up. Because it's like everybody really I did. know has a scoop. I mean, it's just common <laughs> stuff to have. You know, that's something. I'm surprised there isn't somebody manufacturing the official endurance rider scoop. There you go. I know. I there's know. a whole market, Karen. You could sell 20 of them. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, uh, speaking of products, uh, what did, uh, you had a chance to talk to Distance Depot, and we're going to take a listen to that. What's our topic this week, month? Um, we talked with Kristen and uh, we caught up with her a couple of days ago about uh, hay bags and bale bags and some of the other neat products that the Distance Depot offers for right. everybody. Very good. More Tevis talk coming up. Well, good morning, Kristen. Welcome to the show again for July. Hi, Karen. Well, let's talk about um, your bale bags, cr- crew bags, and and that and those kinds of items this month. Tell us what okay. you have to offer. Okay, um, we have quite a variety of bale and hay bags. We were talking a few minutes ago, and I was telling you I remember back when the, you know, the main hay hay, hay net was a cotton hay net um, or one of those nylon hay nets with the big holes in them and all your hay mm-hmm. fell out, which we still carry those and they're still pretty popular, but we have so many styles anymore. Um, there's a, a lot of choices to make. Um, and, you know, we have some slow feed hay bags, which are very popular, um, especially this time of year with the grass um, as green. I don't know about your grass, but our grass is green and um, lush. So we have to be careful with that. Right. And on your bale bags, do those hold a large bale of hay? They do. Um, We actually have several styles. Easy Care has um, two uh, waterproof styles. One holds a full bale, and the other one holds approximately a half a bale. So it's just smaller in size. But these are great. The half bale ones are also handy for crewing. You can, you know, for out checks and stuff, you can send, you know, not just some hay and feed for your horse, but throw a blanket in there and and that kind of thing. I use them for that sometimes, too, when you need more than one crew bag at a ride for some reason. If there's, you know, if it's a longer ride or there's more than one different out vet check, um, those always work really good in a pinch. Yeah, and, and they're nice, too, just, you know, if water is sloshing around as it does at endurance rides or if you have to travel to a ride and you have to bring your hay or store your hay in the back of your truck um, or on top of your trailer, you know, keeps it dry. And, and I'm sure for crewing, that's kind of nice, too. Then your stuff isn't all soaked by the end of the day. I remember crewing, and <laughs> you know, stuff can become a little messy at times, so they're pretty handy. Definitely. We also have a, oh, I'm sorry. 
Oh no, I was just going to say I see the rolling crew bags and the yeah. rolling bell bags. Those those are interesting. Yeah, the rolling bale bag will hold a, a big um, three-strand bale as well, and it's vented, so it has holes. It's not waterproof, but pretty water-resistant. And then Cashel does have a rolling crew bag, and it, it holds quite a bit of stuff. Um, if you did, if you were crewing for even more than one horse, um, you could probably fit quite a quite a bit of. Um, your crew stuff in this bag. Uh, and um, Easy Care has a smaller hay and gear bag, which is also great for crewing. Um, you know, we'll hold a blanket, some ice boots, mm-hmm. and your hay, and all your gear while you're crewing. So those are pretty nifty. All right. And tell us about the Trailrite mesh hay bag. Those are one of my favorite items that I've used for um, literally decades. Yes, these are new to us, um, but apparently they've been out there for a very long time, and we've had so many requests for them, we've brought them in. They come in great colors, and they hold a lot of hay, um, so you can really fill it up in your horse, you know, if you have him on a high tie, or if you, um, you can anchor this down so it's pretty nifty, so it doesn't bounce around and stay mm-hmm. secure. But the water, if you need to wet your hay or if you want to wet your hay and, and any sand, that all falls through because it is mesh. So just the hay stays in there and it doesn't fall out. So it's it's pretty good. That's nice. I know. And I like that you can actually feed them a little bit lower down so the horses are having to bend down to eat. I, I much prefer being able to do that at a ride. Yeah. yeah you know, the old, yeah, the old style ones, you have to hang those really high. So you don't risk having them get a foot caught. That's right. That's right. And with that one, you don't have to worry because it's so the mesh is so tight there. They, it would be hard for them to get injured. Mm-hmm. And I see these other um, like black mesh and black nylon hay bags. Yes. Um, well, we have some of the slow feed bags. We have those nylon hay bags with that big O hole at the bottom. Um, mm-hmm. So And they hold a couple of flakes. Um, so those are nice, but um, just depends on, on, you know, your trailer setup and your needs. If you're just going for a day or if you're really camping like you do um, where you're out there and your horses are there over the weekend, you know, so it just depends on you and your horse's needs. But we have a pretty wide variety. You sure do. And what are these um, soft-touch bale cutters? Oh, yeah, that's a great tool. Um it's great to keep right there in your hay room, um, kind of uh, just like a, it's a concealed razor blade, so it doesn't, you know, it's not like having scissors around where, you know, you're um, in danger of losing those or, or, you know, having it get out there in the barn. This is just like a, a little soft plastic tool with a razor blade um, that's concealed, so it cuts your hay really easily. It's a pretty nice tool. Well, that's handy. Okay, so if somebody is interested in any of these or any of your other items, tell us how they would get in touch with you. Well, they can um, email us at info at thedistancedepot.com or give us a call toll-free, 866-863-2349, thedistancedepot.com. Well, thank you, Kristen. Appreciated having you on again this month. Thank you, Karen. Well, we appreciate Distance Depot being with us for, geez, about as long as you've been doing this show, actually, mm-hmm. uh, which has been years. So, uh, and I know that uh, she'll have a presence at Tevis, right? She she ends up going there. 
Um, well, no, she doesn't, but she did send me some catalogs to, to ah, give okay, out. Okay, okay. I thought she yeah, had gone on the it's, it's a ways, ways for them. We would like to get them to come out. That well, would be great. Maybe one of these days. Maybe one of these days. And you're going to look all fancy and teal. Why'd you go with teal, by the way? You know, it's kind of a new beta biothane color. It's only been out, I think, since last October. And I just happened to order one of my dogs a collar in that color. And it looked so you know, cool on her. I really like the color because it, you know, I have always liked turquoise and this is just a little bit, has just a little bit more green in it than the turquoise blue. And it, it just, it was a really neat color and it looks really uh, nice on bow. And, um, and so I thought, you know, I've, Ridden them through Tevis now with all every other color attack I've got. So let's try something new and exciting this year. So um, we're we're gonna look, you know, teal. <laughs> we're gonna be teal. Well, while we're waiting for so, our guest here, I give everybody an idea of how many people that it takes per rider. So you because you have a number of uh, stops and they're not. You know, a lot of times when you're doing your distance rides, if it's loops, you can you can get away with the same people. But you actually have to have a number of people for for the vet checks and the stops along the way, right? Right. For your crew. Yes. It's one of those rides where it is sort of neat because you do have a crew. I'm not used to having a crew. Most rides I do by myself without any crew. And, and so you usually will have a crew that will meet you at the hour hold vet checks and bring all of your stuff, you know, so it's, you know, it's quite the experience for everybody, you know, and the question is, is always looming. Is it harder to ride or harder to crew? And you never, <laughs> you do one or you do the other. And then you're sure that whatever it was that you just did, that was it's the It's whatever hardest. you're doing that day is the hardest. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, you go and you crew and you think, oh man, I need to ride. Riding so much easier. And then you go and you ride and you're like, oh, I oh, think I wish I'll I was on the crew next time. I'd be able to drive from point to point. <laughs> I could go take a nap. Right. Yes. I could go get in the um, air conditioning. I could actually use the bathroom. Room. <laughs> <laughs> Porta potty looks good right about then. <laughs> I know. Yes. And, and it's, you know, because it's such a big event with, you know, 800 volunteers and everything's point to point and people are moving around you know there's a lot of crowds there's spectators you know so it's kind of a really big event and um you know it's it's kind of crazy so how many people but, will you have will you have one team or two that will be um i actually i i have two crew two crew people that are going to go to the hour holds and then my husband that is going to be driving the rig and that's his job is to drive the rig from from point, you know, a, point to point, a yeah a i forgot you got to pick up your know, horse when you're done that's right <laughs> Yes, yeah. yes, we need the rig at the finish so that, you know, I can, you know, totally zonk out once I hopefully, you know, get to, to the end. And uh, so, yes, you need to have somebody to move your rig and then you still need, you know, one or two crew people at a minimum, you know, to haul all of your stuff in and out of those checks. You know, some people have more than a, a, a person or two and um, and then others might get by with just one person. You know, but I, I would say probably the average is everybody has at least two. Well, and this year, your husband, while he's driving to pick you up at the end, is going to be able to keep track of you. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But in the meantime, we have, uh, why don't you introduce our first guest? Because our We do. We have Dr. Julie Bullock back with us again, and she is an endurance writer and a 
endurance ride veterinarian. Uh, welcome back to the show, Julie. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, here, um, this is a good time of year to talk about heat stress and our horses. And I know you're the perfect person to talk to being that you're from the Southeast region. So I know you know all about heat and humidity and our horses. So tell you us. You know a little bit about it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So tell us, well, let's maybe just start with what are some of the things we can do to to um, prepare our horse for being out working or doing an endurance ride in the heat and humidity? Give it all possible is to train in it, to train in the conditions in which you're going to compete, which means you don't get up and train in the morning when it's cool so much, but you want to, although humidity is highest in the morning, but you want to train your horse and yourself in the heat and in the humidity. Is, is pretty critical. And when you're competing in heat and humidity, you just, what people don't realize, um, we just had the Old Dominion a few weeks ago, so I can use that as a reference later. Mm-hmm. But first thing in the morning, when the ride starts, and our ride starts at 5.30 in the morning, is actually peak humidity. But all that moisture is trying to burn off. You feel cool, but your horse is struggling to, to get cool because of thermal regulation, he has to sweat. And mm-hmm. the sweat will not dry in that high humidity level. So you feel pretty good, but your horse is actually really, really hot. Right. Right. Yes, they can really heat up. I, I know. And, um, you know, you can see the steam coming off of them sometimes. Exactly. Exactly. So I've got, you know, I definitely have some key points to go over and, and then we'll just you know, however you want to ask the question. Um, okay. I can just... Uh, I can, Perfect. Okay. Does that mean you want the key points? Yes, <laughs> yes. Go on ahead. Go on ahead. Okay. So, a couple of mistakes that I see riders make um, is and it's an advantage it, it adds an advantage to other riders, and it just depends on your goal. If you're trying to win or you're trying to top 10 or you're just trying to finish within the time allotted. But I see a lot of folks, especially, they will get off and walk into the end timer quite a ways back. But what they don't realize is they're no longer generating a breeze. So their horse is actually heating up as they're walking in with their tack. So the, the smarter thing to do is to trot in as quickly as you can Get your tack off. And, and a lot of folks are stubborn about taking tack off, but it is amazing. It's kind of like if you go backpacking, the first thing you do when you stop to take a break is you take your backpack off and let all that heat off your back and all that sweat. And horses are absolutely no different. So if folks would hurry in, get their end time, get their tack off, and then start cooling their horse, they'll actually pulse down faster. Right. Um, so that's one key point because I know personally as a rider, I pass a lot of horses. People are off walking. I'm able to trot in, get my tack off pulse. I'm already at the vet many mm-hmm. times when they're still just fumbling with their tack or getting their paperwork together. Right. Um, that's, that's one point. The thing about horses is they have, if you put a horse on a treadmill or yourself on a treadmill and you don't have a fan, you're not generating any breeze. You're going to get hot. 
Horses are very, very similar. You know, they, they cool by sweating. They're also cool by raising their heart rate. They'll cool by increasing their respiration rate. Some horses are panters, and that can be alarming to riders, but actually probably one of the best pulsing horses I've ever owned was uh, a tremendous panting horse. He had, an, you know, that's an ancillary way to cool for that particular animal. Uh-huh. Um, other thoughts are to um, trot the sun, walk the shade, you know, use shade to your advantage. On the East Coast, we use a lot of pop-up tents when we're crewing our horses. Some uh-huh. folks go as far as gen- is setting up generators with fans. Um, ice is paramount. You've got, you can't put, you can't put room temperature water on a horse and expect it to do much for you. So um, when it gets really hot and humid, ice in your water is very, very helpful. Some folks put a little alcohol in the water. Um, putting that water on and pulling it off as quickly as possible because it heats up. And mm-hmm. in the old days, everybody used to like lay a towel on their neck, and we've since learned that, that was a bad idea that actually holds the heat right. in. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these horses, you know, when you take their pulse, and they're kind of hanging, and they'll do that. When they get really, really hot at certain times of the, the ride, they just sort of hang. And what you do is cool them, pull it off, then walk the horse in a small circle, one or two turns, bring him back, and start recooling because their muscle is so thick, you've cooled the surface. But if you move and walk around, then what will happen is you'll exchange and you'll get all that hot, I guess I'll just call it hot blood, will rise up to the surface. Then you can go ahead and cool that. Um, the Old Dominion this year during one of our vet checks, the front-running hundreds were fine. The front-running 50s were fine. And it's not that they were more fit. It's just that the combination of the heat index changes with uh-huh. heat and with humidity. And then a bunch of the horses that came on the 50 kind of got caught with their pants down. And they, um, you know, there was shade, but it was just so exquisitely hot. And it was a checkpoint where there's no crew. We did have ice, but we had a whole host of horses that would make their pulse, but from the pulse taker to the vet would just heat right back up. And and the reason that happened is they didn't get them cool enough. They got them Mm -hmm. cool enough to make pulse. They weren't cool enough to take another step. Right. I've had that happen to me, actually, at Tevis when you're at Forest Hill. Uh, We put the water on the horse and walked over and vetted, and his CRI went up. Because he just, you know, the heat, he just heated right back up because he basically had an insulating layer of hot water on him. And so we went and cooled him more and did more scraping. And then he rechecked and his CRI was fine. So, yes, I absolutely know, you know, I've learned that lesson myself. And that was a few years ago. Yeah, I think uh, you kind of have to figure out what what the pulse is that you need to get down to with mm-hmm. the, that particular ambient situation. And it's going to be different for every ride from when you can actually, you know, move the horse. Um, so, yeah. Um, you know, ice water, water, taking it off, the saddle off. Um, mm-hmm. All those are really, really important. Um, the other thing I think that <clears throat> happens is we don't, continue to check our horse's pulse when we're crewing. We'll walk past the veterinarian and we'll right. let the horse eat and we'll take ourselves. And then we kind of forget, wow, that time that horse is standing there, he actually 
is heating back up. And sometimes you will leave with a horse that is above Colt's criteria because you failed to make sure that he had progressive recovery and that he continued to get cool. Right. Uh-huh. Exactly. Exactly. So, I know. Yeah, so and so if, if, if we alcohol into the water, what, you know, how would you do that? Like how much alcohol and how much water? Oh, you know, and it's not something I've done a lot of. I, I use ice more uh-huh. than I use um, alcohol in the water. Okay. Um, because, and the reason is that, you know, who's going to keep track of the water with the alcohol? <laughs> Unless it's a small bucket and you've got somebody kind of dedicated to it. Um, but it, it is something that some folks use. And I, I usually go with just ice in my water. And it's easy enough to figure out which one's which. Just to clarify, we're not talking about bourbon, right? <laughs> well, you know, I was going to bring that up earlier, you know, because you never overestimate. Well, would it hurt? I mean, might relax them a little, you know, but I guess alcohol yeah, does yeah, dehydrate you. So, uh, yeah, ultimately, yeah, and this is a figure of ADH. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not sure the vetted committee would be very happy with us. <laughs> Maybe the rider could have a little just to, you know, yeah, there you go. <laughs> For the rider, not the horse. Put it in the rider's water. <laughs> now, yeah, let just to clarify, do either one of you carry a flask? Just asking. Uh, <laughs> I don't. Yes. Do you carry it like <laughs> the fox I, hunters? Only when I fox hunt. Uh, okay. Only uh, when I fox hunt. That's because it's cold. All right. So you don't carry it on your endurance rides, just to clarify. I carry water. Um, okay. All right. I carry water. All right. I'm just yep. checking. Because I kind of guess yeah, that Potato yeah. probably carries a flask. I'm just guessing. You know, Pop, no, he doesn't carry anything. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a good point where you bring up. I, I carry a sponge. And sort of on the East Coast, what, what I learned from friends years ago is that they don't drink it, they wear it. So anytime I come to water and have the opportunity to put water on my horse, I do. Yeah, it was so funny because we were I'm just... crossing a river or a stream... I try to soak the horse as much as I can. Karen, Karen was just saying that she's switched to the scoop from the sponge. So we were discussing that earlier right, in the show. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, the, the, like it, scoop. yeah, it depends on the ride. Some rides, you know, you, you're not allowed to sponge. So you need the scoop. And, exactly. And they, yeah, and so ride, I, you can't sponge out of the water tank. Yep. Exactly. And then on other rides, I will have both a scoop and a sponge. Because, you, you know, you can scoop. Right. Or you can sponge out of your scoop. <laughs> yeah, right. No, that's an excellent point. Excellent point. This is sexy talk this morning here I, on the radio. <laughs> hey, I rode behind a rider one time on a ride, and she had a sponge, and she is cantering, and she there's a mud hole coming up, and I see her take her sponge and sling it through the water hole while cantering, and then sponge her horse and just keep going. <laughs> wow. Yes, that's uh, yeah, top-level talent there. <laughs> she was a yeah, trick rider yeah. on the side. That's <laughs> Yeah. Let's then. Exactly. Okay, so let's maybe just have you tell us a little bit about if our horse is starting to experience heat stress, what are those signs that we need to look for? Definitely you need to look for um, an increased heart rate. You know, failure to recover is a big sign. Um, increased respiration rate. And for some horses that don't normally pant, that are panting, um, taking their temperature. If they're over 103, they're, they're, they're definitely heat stressed. Okay. 
some horses will, uh, several years ago, we had a really, really cool spring. We had no heat um, to speak of. And we had some horses come to the Old Dominion, and they were all from the upper northeast, from like Pennsylvania. And they had to do a really large climb, and it was really, really hot and humid. And I saw, I treated four horses that day that all cramped in their intercostal muscles in the ribcage just from panting because they had not, you know, utilized those muscle groups training because they hadn't you know, had that, that same kind of challenge. All right. So let's see. So um, things to look for. Definitely a horse is hot. A lot of times they won't eat. Um Say you already passed, say you actually passed the vetting and you went over to your crewing area and your, your horse is just looking kind of miserable. Then you do need to recheck his heart rate, check his temperature, make sure that he didn't heat back up on you. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you want that, you don't want that uh, look in their eyes or, you know, if the flies are hanging on their face and they don't care, um, that's not a good sign. Um, you know, definitely all the hydration. I think that we should all be able to basically vet our own horses. We should be able to check our mucous membranes, see if they're dry, make sure our capillary refill is, is you know, two seconds, our jugular um, mm-hmm. gut sounds. Sometimes, a lot of times your gut sounds will go away when they're hot because the horse is going to circumvent blood flow to other areas. So it's going to, you know, it's going to take care of its brain and it's going to take care of its, you know, other areas of its body, but it's going to prioritize them. And then eventually once it starts getting a certain amount of, of um, heat, heat exhaustion or dehydration, then it has to start, you know, throwing things out of the boat. Like, okay, well, I, I, I don't have enough to go, you know, to my guts, so I'm going to send it over here, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And so it's important to, you know, keep the horse in shade as much as possible and and to in keep cool, cooling them. Yes, try to get them out of the sun, keep them in the shade, keep cooling them um, during the during their rest period, absolutely. Um, and then when you're competing them, when you're out on trail, try to keep them cool. Um, the, there is the only downside sometimes to shade and humidity is it's, it's difficult for the, for the water to evaporate off the horse. Right. So on the West Coast. It, everything evaporates really quickly. And it, it doesn't mean those horses are any less dehydrated because they really aren't. And you can see the salt just accumulate on their bodies. Uh-huh. On the East Coast, the horses never, never dry. They never dry. They stay wet the entire time because that water can't evaporate and that holds the heat in. So it's really important once that heats up to keep exchanging it and pulling it off and trying to and take that hot water off. Right, right. And and I found some neat little um like squeegees at the dollar store that they're yeah. just like the perfect size. They're like ten inches wide and they're they're perfect for, you know, scraping the water off of the horse. And and you can clip them right onto your bucket, which makes it handy. They're, so they're, they're, you yeah, yeah. Pull squeegees and being aggressive with the volume of water if you have it available that you're putting on. You know, like I, I'll see people take a sponge and it's kind of like kind of like dabbing the horses. Like, no, you need to get in there. I use scoops. I use like laundry detergent scoops or cat litter uh-huh. scoops and I buckets and I pour the water on so I can right. get on their fat. So for me, it's like NASCAR. I come in. I mean, and that's just 
because I think my attitude is that practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. So even if I have a young horse and I'm in no particular hurry, I'm still going to get in there and do it the same way I always, whether I'm trying to win or just trying to finish. I, I try to keep my, you know, my pit crewing the same. Get in, get my tack off, get, you know, get the horse cooled off, blah, blah, blah. Um, mm-hmm. But otherwise, we kind of, we, it's easy to fall into some kind of complacency and, um, rather than stay at a certain level. Right, right. Well, this has been really useful information. Um, We appreciate having you here, Julie. Thank you so much. All right, well, thank you. Great talking to you as always. Good luck at Tavis. Hey, Julie, do you have a website? I do have a website, and I actually have a PowerPoint on that website that covers a lot of this information. All right. And it's... um, Shoot, what is it? That's hilarious. <laughs> um, it's Julie Bullock DVM. So it's Julie Bullock, B-U-L-L-O-C-K-D-V-M. And I'm, yep, I'm confirming that now. Nope, you're wrong. It's Dr. Julie I Bullock. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, All right, let me correct her. You it is Dr. I'll put it on my own website. I have it on a business card. I'll, have to, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll send it. Well, I have it right here. It's drjuliebullock.com. So it's uh, Dr. Julie Bullock, and Bullock is spelled B-U-L-L-O-C-K. Thanks, Julie. Thanks, Julie. Thank you. All right. I'm always amazed at how many times I have to help people with their own websites. (laughs) (laughs) It's just funny. Uh, All right. So we are going to uh, go now uh, to an interview that you got. As everybody knows, we're following, uh, we're following, uh, excuse me. Sorry about that. Uh, We're following a rider across the country right now. Her name's Valerie Ashker. And you might know her because she is Lainey Ashker's mom. And Lainey's a very uh, famous event rider. And uh, she started out in California. And as best I can tell this morning, she's in Colorado heading toward Grand Junction, right? She's getting really close to California this morning. Yes. No, you mean Colorado. Uh, Colorado, they were up and at them at like by 5.30 this morning in order to beat the heat. It's like 100 degrees where they were when I talked to her yesterday afternoon. All right. And so that's, she's heading, well, she's heading into the Rockies. This ought to be interesting too. This is going to be a challenging, she's had challenges with the heat in Nevada now, now heading to the hills. So we are going to listen to the interview you got with her yesterday and then we're coming back and we'll be talking more about the Tevis Cup and the ways you can follow the riders this year. They're adding a whole bunch of new stuff. Well, I have Valerie. I caught up with her on Tuesday afternoon. To get up, uh, Karen is really quiet in this interview, but Valerie, you'll be able to hear. America on her off the track thoroughbred horses. Um, welcome, Valerie. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great, and the weather has been very helpful because it's not been as blazing hot as when I arrived um, here in Green River. It was in the like hundreds, but. It's been really, really nice and uh, about 90, 80 to 90 with the breeze. So it's been wonderful. Wow. Well, I know you've got a lot of followers on Facebook that have been following your journey. Um, Just give us some of the highlights that you've had so far. Um, The highlights are, (laughs) you know, when we're riding on Highway 50, we're sharing part of 70. Honest to goodness, um, a lot of truckers come by and they're honking, and I swear it's not just 
I think they know what we're doing. I think that um, they're talking ahead of time because the way that they're honking back and forth, I'll be the same trucking company. I kind of feel that they're welcome, welcome, welcoming us on the highway. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we ride off the highway, but sometimes we have to go on the very side when we go over bridges and things. And um, that's been like, I look at Peter and he looks at me like, these people... I think they know what we're doing. And um, we had um, Ed and Linda McCoskey surprise us um, at one of the viewing areas uh, about 100 miles back. And, I mean, it that has been amazing. Uh, people are really behind this. And I get back on my uh, second mace through starting gates page. And, I mean, people are, they really are rooting me on. And when there's moments... That I have that I'm a little low. It's I just need to go back on the Facebook page and and read some of the comments, and they give me so much um, enthusiasm and ambition, you know, to to greet the next day. So it's been awesome. Yes, and you've been getting up really early, haven't you? Yes, at three (laughs) o'clock in the morning, and we try to get on the horses. We've been of late about five thirty. But I think if the heat picks up a little bit more as we get towards Grand Junction, I think it's heating up this week. We may have to be on the horses out at 4, 4.30. Okay. Um, there's not a lot of shade when you're riding on the side of the road here. And then when you make camp, that's been a real priority to, for me to get the horses out of the heat by the end of their ride. So, um, and, and we've been parking the trailer, as you uh, recommended, so that the horses get shade um, uh, for as long as possible uh, with the sun setting. And, so, and how, how are the horses doing? And they're still eating good? Eating great. They're not good. sick of their grain yet. They've been getting around 12 to about 12, 15 pounds of grain um, a day, depending if they're a work day or if they're not. Uh-huh. Uh, made in three to four uh, servings you know, a day. Um, so they're holding up good and they're not getting too, I, I would think that my older horse filler would get a little bit, it's a beet pole based grain. It's fabulous. Uh, the pro fuel, but, um, some horses after a while go off of it. Well, he is not showing any signs of that yet. So, um, I'm very happy about that. Sure. Are they getting frisky? I imagine they're starting to get into a really good uh, fitness level. Yes, they are. Um, we had, um, Solar had um, a little bit of a puncture wound that at the bottom of his foot, um, he had a little infection. So we combated that right away with SMZs and um, uh, uh, we kept soaking it every night and, and, and Peter put on a glue on. It was almost like a flip-flop easy kill product because he cut it down and got air to it so we could, uh, uh, you know, nurse it back. And now he's been trotting. This last stint, we got to Green River um, yesterday, and the 14-mile, I think it was around 14-mile, 15-mile, Peter's telling me in the background, we trotted most of the way. I mean, they just, and a lot of it was, they're, they're getting fitter, but the bugs, Oh. And they said, hell no, we're not saying that. Let's get out of here. I so know. the bugs were horrible. I mean, Karen, I've never seen so many bugs and mosquitoes in my life. It was I like know. I needed a net around my head. Our horses are so lucky out here in the West. We don't really have 
that kind of bugs yeah. out here where you live right. where I live. And and I know my horses were miserable going across um, you know, the Pony Express trail in spots too because of the bugs. They're just it's insane. It is. I mean, it, and I mean, even breathing, you can't get your you open your mouth at all because oh. if you talk, you're going to get a bug in your mouth. Oh. And so, but and some of them are biting. You know, they're they're mosquito like, oh. and they're the weirdest little horse flies. But we've got an arsenal of the cashel cashel fly sheets, the uh, the neck on them. The oh. they have two different um, fly face bonnets, one with a nose and one without. Uh, so you can actually ride with one because it's thinner, um, yet it doesn't allow the rays to get into their uh, face. So, I mean, we're doing our best. I'm getting sent. Uh, people are sending natural fly products. I'm picking them up in Grand Junction, uh, sponsoring me with the natural fly sprays. Uh, they say work amazing on mosquitoes. And I bet you we will get into that in Kansas mm-hmm. as we get more closer Midwest, too. We're going to have fly problems. Great. And how are you holding up? Good. You know, I'm getting nursed back to health. Um, I think, you know, when you, you know, when you, when I slipped off my horse because he bolted, um, I fell on my elbow, actually both of them, but when you fall on your elbow, usually that means breaking a clavicle, which I did. Mm-hmm. Well, that is the darndest painful little, Isn't it? you know, yes. oh my God. And so that has been a bit of a hindrance. I think right now, I mean, honestly, bluntly on the table, what's bothering me most, I'm really homesick. Uh-huh. I'm really homesick. I'm homesick for my family. I'm homesick for the other animals that I left behind. And uh, that's why when I stated early, when I go back to Facebook and look at my page, you know, people saying you can do this, that this cause is amazing, it's historical, mm-hmm. then it kind of rekindles that my eye on the prize again. But I will tell you this, Karen, anyone contemplating a ride like this, um, and I'm really lucky because I have, you know, uh, Peter, um, one of my dearest friends, he's supporter of me, and Willie driving, I've got a rig. A lot of people won't have that, and I've also had my parents fly in. They're flying in, actually, um, this month to see me and my daughter. Um, but I will tell you this, the, the homesick part of it, it sounds kind of weenie, but it's not. It, it, it's real, and um, it really puts things in perspective, you know, a lot of soul-searching. It gives way to a lot of um, soul-searching on a ride like this. Sure, sure. And if somebody that's listening and they're just now learning about your your adventure that you're on, tell us about your Facebook page. The Facebook page, Second Makes Through Starting Gates, is about off-the-track thoroughbreds. It's um, my daughter is Lane Ashker, and uh, she's pretty well-known in the event world. And uh, it was the -the off-the-track thoroughbreds that I got that put her up the ladder. And we owe everything to that that breed because they gave us so much. Um, And it was a time in my life to bring awareness about most people think these racehorses, when their career is waned, um, that they're, they're done. And I am here to prove that they are not, that that is just a start of their career. And my daughter, uh, because of her um, the success in the event world on the off-the-track thoroughbreds, it all ran 
they had a racing career previous to me buying them. Um, she's a great example of it. And I'm also trying to, if I can ride two off the track thoroughbreds, completely different types, one older, one younger, across the United States and get to the other side in the condition that they left from California. To me, that's, that's, that's not just, you know, talking the talk, it's walking the walk and showing how these animals can, they persevere, persevere through all types of conditions and you know I says, well right. thank you I you know I've made mistakes Karen and sometimes um by getting hurt um you know uh, I, I've been distracted by my own little situations and you know you make you sometimes get a little bit I have gas on your show uh, make it easy for them you, you said it brilliantly um, I was just you know horses sc- get tired they get you know kind of pissy excuse my mm-hmm. language mm-hmm. and you know, even and, and we people, um, uh, the three of us, um, getting along in a little eleven foot trailer and uh, day after day and, and heat, despicable weather. You know, it is a challenge. And um, but the whole the whole focus is the eye on the prize. Are getting these thoroughbreds to the East Coast uh, to Virginia? And living. Do you mind if we keep checking in with you every few weeks? And, and uh, we would. I, we would all love it. Okay. And um, I, I'm totally. I'm into it. Uh, I would love that. Karen. Okay. Well, thank you, Valerie. There you go. She's on. She's still riding. She is. She's surprising us. She's doing actually rather well, although she is having some difficulty. She has a broken clavicle and a broken elbow and broken ribs, and she is still, she's tough. Tell <laughs> she's you what, still she's going. Bl- she has that inventor mentality, doesn't she? <laughs> I know. She's a tough lady, so I'm excited that she's, you know, already gone close to a thousand miles, which is really cool. Well, and, and, and now she's got the mountains, so we'll see how that goes. I know, I know. Well, so next we have a guest, uh, Krista Turnage from the Western States Trail. She's a Board of Governor member. She handles all the social media, the Facebook page and Twitter feeds and stuff like that. And she's an endurance writer herself and is also entered in Tevis this year. So welcome to the show, Krista. Thanks for joining us this morning. Good morning. Well, tell us a little bit about all of this stuff with the Tevis and how um, people listening at home can follow along on the ride this year. Absolutely. You know, the Tevis really is an event and when you're there, you can definitely feel the excitement and the electricity in the air and, you know, just what an honor it is to, to be there, even just as a spectator to watch the riders and the horses, you know, about to, embark and as they're accomplishing their journey on the trail and just all the history behind the ride and everything. And so it's, you know, we try to help bring a little bit of what that feels like to all of those who are unable to attend in person and and want to follow along at home. Um, So our main website is teviscup.org. And prior to the ride, um, we'll launch a feature on there for the live webcast. And what that is, is there's 18 various checkpoints that are manned by volunteers. And as riders come through, 
um, they'll record the rider numbers and update them on the standings for those various checkpoints. We have um, people on the ground that are taking the rider numbers, and then they work very closely with our radio communications team with the ham radio, and they um, use a feature called WinLink where they're actually able to email over the shortwave radio wow. um, waves to update directly into the database. So that helps with some of the errors that can occur, um, you know, but definitely they are still transcribing writer numbers by hand and then typing them into the computer as they're being uploaded. So um, every now and then we do have someone that goes missing or looks to show up somewhere odd, um, mm-hmm. but we have a program that kind of runs behind and scrubs and will help check for those type of errors, and usually they're corrected within the next checkpoint or so. Um, so if somebody so shows up in Texas, if somebody shows up in Texas, you know they're <laughs> it's wrong. Uh, the, the, Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, if they were in, all of a sudden they show up at a checkpoint that they've already been through before, yeah. you know, then we know we've got a duplicated <laughs> number that we need to to go suss out and try to figure out, you know, who actually belongs where. Um, so um, that's on the main org website. And then we also have a really active Facebook page and it's been really fun to watch the Facebook page grow over the last about four years now. We went from about 3,000 followers four years ago, and I honestly didn't look yesterday, but we were at about 13,800 now. And I imagine we'll probably um, gain another 5,000 followers or so by the end of Ride Weekend. Um, It's always fun to watch that grow. And the Facebook page is really where you're going to get a lot more of the live and up-to-the-date action. So we have people who will be um, posting photos, and we're really hoping to use the Facebook Live feature this year for the first time and do some live broadcasting from directly out on the trail and at the various checkpoints as riders are coming in. Um, we'll also do some just standard videos and upload those for the various checkpoints where we simply just don't have enough cell service to mm-hmm. um, do a live video feed. Um, but on Facebook, you can find us just at facebook.com slash Tevis Cup. Or if you're searching in there in the Facebook feed um, on the Facebook window, it is the Tevis Cup official um, page. There's a couple different ones. Some of them are groups for riders and crews to communicate with each other, um, but you'll want to find follow the official page for updates during the ride. Right. So tell us about um, the, another. Uh, in- yeah, the GPS tracking that's being done this year. Tell us about that. Exactly. I was just going to talk about okay, that. Um, good. So good. we have a company called um, Track Leaders is coming in to support the ride this year, and. They have a ton of experience with GPS tracking with large events. They're actually the ones that do the GPS pingers, as we call them, um, for the Iditarod and the Yukon Quest um, sled dog trail races up in Alaska. So they are kind of familiar with, uh, you know, remote territory and long-distance events and things like that. Um, They also cover, you know, worldwide sailing races and bike races and everything like that. So we're really excited to have track leaders on board this year. Um, 
for an optional $40, our riders will carry the pingers or the little units as we're calling them. And what they do is they'll send the ping every five minutes um, to the satellites and then update a live web page as you go along. Um, and there will be a link on the um, Where's My Rider. So each rider will have an individual page on our Tevis Cup um, home site where you can go and search for your rider. And if they're a rider who's elected to carry the GPS unit, there will be a link um, as well on there. And then you can follow their tracker as they go down the trail. We also have um, an overall event page for the trackers where you can just go and kind of watch the status of the race unfold. So we're hoping this will really bring some additional excitement and kind of some of the behind the scene footage of, you know, when and where people may be making a move for a, a top 10 position or mm-hmm. possibly going for the win as well. But it also provides us some additional safety features with being able to more closely follow where our riders are at along the trail. Exactly. I know I was one of the riders that tested one of these tracking devices at the Wild West ride. And, um, and I know there were times where it, it, it didn't really work all that well because of the heavy tree cover. But the nice thing is, like you said, it's going to ping every five minutes. So, you know, if it misses you for a, a time or two, then it'll just pick you up again or in an area where it can get the signal out. Yes. And, you know, due to the terrain, as you're very familiar with, Karen, you know, we do anticipate that there will be parts along the trail where due to the tree cover or even the steepness of the canyons and just the hillsides will simply block the access to the satellite Mm -hmm. signals, um, you know, being very effective, that we probably will have a few little dead spots. But we're hoping that most of that will be mitigated. And like you said, they'll get picked up with the next five-minute ping. Right. Yeah, that that's kind of exciting. This is the first time. I want to do this. This, this is available. cool. You know what? You guys <laughs> get you guys have better cell service than we do right outside of town. So <laughs> I, I figure that out. <laughs> We're pretty. We are very fortunate in that we can be up at the Robinson Flat Vet Check, which is the 36 mile vet check for the riders. It's the first one hour hold, and it's the first point where they get to see their crew for the day um, after they've left the start. And it's remote up there. I mean, you're a good, you know, 50 miles in on a dirt road, you know, or not dirt road, but it's paved all the way to Robinson Flat, but you're way back in there on, mm-hmm. you know, what ends up being more or less a single lane and a half winding road. And we, I have AT&T and I actually had very good coverage at Robinson Flat last year and was able to upload a ton of pictures and video directly to the Facebook page as the event was occurring. Wow. Now, have you got any news for us about the fire and the, any damage to the trail? Do you know anything? Um, I So we have not, I don't think, had official boots on the ground with the Western okay. State Governor Board yet. Um, but we have received several updates directly from Cal Fire. And it looks like the trail was very minimally impacted. We're very thankful for that. And we are going to be running the ride on the original route as planned oh, as of today. Yes. 
um, we did see some photos and it looks like, you know, things did burn, um, for about a mile or so of the trail, but it looked like it came through kind of fast and hot and so didn't necessarily, um, you know, cause too, too much damage. And we're so thankful to Cal Fire and all the firefighters and with the various organizations that we're working at um, because they were informed and really understood the history of the trail and, you know, what they were preserving. And I kind of a funny story. Um, I have a friend and her husband's in a rehab facility right now. And she said that he has a roommate and the roommate's son came in and he was a firefighter and he was saying, Oh, you know, yeah, I've been working this fire down in, Forest Hill for the last, you know, week or so. And yeah, there's some trail down there that everyone's all, you know, wants to make sure that the trail gets saved and it's, you know, the trail's really important. <laughs> and um, the person was, you know, uh, a former Western States Board of Governor member and a very active Tevis Cup um, and endurance rider. And she perks right up and she's like, oh, you know, well, thank you so much. And that is our trail. And we just, you know, it's, it really means a lot to everyone, and it was really special getting to, you know, hear, um, you know, all the efforts that went into not only fighting the fire, but also, you know, trying not to damage the trail and, and to preserve as much of the trail from the fire damage as possible. Right, and they did a great job. I know that they worked really hard to save, you know, any of the structures and the houses and and. That they were very successful there, right? I mean, there were no homes lost in this fire? Yeah, were no there? homes lost in the fire at all. So, um, yeah, they were very successful with saving all the various structures and homes in the area. Um, and that's very difficult terrain that they were battling it in. So lots of air support, lots of new fire lines cut in. Um, I know the Gold Country Ride, which you're familiar with, Karen, um, that's based out of the Georgetown area, mm -hmm. um, is actually maybe a little excited in that they maybe have some new trails that have now been cut in by the fire lines and things like that that were established. So right, that right. group is excited that when the area is approved to be able to go see, you know, what's been impacted uh -huh. and what they can do with, with the trails from now. Good. Yes, I know they had to cancel for this year, which was unfortunate but thankfully their camp didn't burn right the uh, drew barner campground is okay yes the drew barner campground was not impacted oh good terrific i know every um endurance rider all over the country has been holding their breath this whole last week because of this fire everybody's been so worried it was you know and it it can change so much of the trail. We are fortunate in that there was a, an option that if, you know, that portion of the trail, that um, Peachstone Gulch or kind of also known as Cal 2 area and down to Ford's Bar, which is the river crossing that the Western States Run uses, you know, it's not just the endurance ride, which that trail means a lot to, but also right. all the runners. Um, who'd had their event just on June 25th, I believe it was the kind of the week before the fire uh -huh. started. Um, you know, that means a lot. Um, the option would have been to go up on the historic trail that used to go through Todd Valley and then into White Oak flat. And then from there you could still drop down to the Francisco set check. Um, 
but that Todd Valley area has become so much more populated and there's so many more homes in the area now that it actually leaves our riders um, kind of riding behind people's backyards and coming across a few various paved roads and things like that, which, you know, at that time of night, we're running horses through there anywhere from, you know, 9 p.m. to two, three o'clock in the morning and not always the best option to have horses out there on residential streets at that time frame if we can avoid it. Right. No, no kidding. So are there any other links you want to tell us about? Um, the Facebook page, definitely follow us there. Um, from there also we upload photos. We have a, a Flickr, um, dot com, S-L-I-C-K-R, um, album that we post everything to just search Tevis Cup in Flickr and you can find all the photos that our webcast volunteers took um, over the last several years. They're uploaded to albums there and we'll be loading pictures in there as well as the event goes on. Um, last year, I believe we uploaded, I think my final count was about 2,300 pictures the day of the ride. Wow. Um, Again, we, yeah, we've got volunteers stationed at as many different checkpoints as we can get them into. And oftentimes we've got photographers at um, what are crew, um, excuse me, volunteer only checkpoints that no crew is able to access. So we can bring you kind of the layout and what it looks like at some of those more remote locations um, that only the riders and volunteers get to see, like Red Star Ridge or Last Chance and Deadwood, those types of um, vet checks. Uh-huh. And then also for anyone that has an Instagram account, you can find us on Instagram um, under Tevis Feed. And we um, also will post some pictures there during the event. Well, terrific. Well, good luck to you, um, Krista, on your ride this year. How exciting. Thank you. And you as well, Karen. I know it's been... Um, nine years since I had a horse ready um, to get to the start line, you know, you, it really is a privilege just to to be prepared to the point where you can get up to Roby Park and, and get vetted in. Um, you know, you don't always appreciate what a challenge that can be at times, and I've certainly um, had my struggles and my challenges over the last few years, so I'm, I'm very excited to start this year. Um, this ride means a lot to me. I'm riding in honor of a few very special horses and um, uh, a very, very dear friend, um, Kevin Myers, who actually gifted me my horse, Dreammaker, or Diggs, as he's better known as, that I'm going to be riding Tevis on. Um, When my former Tevis horse was passing from cancer, um, Kevin gifted me Diggs as a four-year-old. Um, he's 12 this year, and he's just been an amazing horse. Um, I was in the Rose Parade with you this year um, mm-hmm. on him, and I'm very excited to to make to the start line. And we're riding in honor of, of Kevin this year and Tux and my own little horse, Genny. So it's very mm-hmm. special to me, and I'm excited to get back out on that trail that I just love so much. Great. Well, best wishes to you and thank you for joining us and giving us all these updates on what's going on with Tevis this year. Great. 
great. Thank you, Karen. And you guys have an awesome ride. You'll be finished way before we come in. <laughs> Not, you know, even if I finish in a good time, it's still 2.33 in the morning. <laughs> it's still not that much Karen faster. will be showered and in bed by the time I'm just hitting lower quarry if I'm lucky. So... <laughs> <laughs> it's yes, it's a long, long day. No, ma- no matter who you are and where you finish, it's a long, long day. Yes, but, but it it's, is. Um, it's, that's part of what makes it so special is the challenge. Definitely, I know we're kind of crazy. We'll be second guessing ourselves for sure. Like, yeah, what was I? I got to tell you guys though. I've been looking at. <laughs> I've been looking at the uh, at your Flickr page of the photos from last year, and there's a difference between the endurance yeah. riders and the endurance runners. Endurance runners never smile and always look like they're miserable the whole time. <laughs> endurance riders. Every checkpoint I'm looking at the pictures from, you guys are coming in with smiles on your faces. That's the difference, right there. Because we know how lucky we are to be there, right, Krista? (laughs) Exactly. You just took the words right out of my mouth, you know, because each checkpoint is just another step in the journey and one more success, and you get to go that much further. Yeah, but the the same way for the win. It's the same way for the runners, but they just always look miserable. (laughs) I mean, that's just, yeah. Well, good job, guys, and uh, we'll look forward to following you. And uh, we got to remind everybody, it is on July 23rd, so it is coming up uh, two Saturdays from now. You guys will be out on the trail, and we'll be we'll be watching and following your little blips on the map. Absolutely. Wonderful. All right. Well, thank thanks, you all. Thanks, thanks Krista. Krista. Bye. Bye. You're welcome. Bye. It's true. I'm looking at these pictures going, there's actually smiles. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're kind of a warped bunch. And, and <laughs> <laughs> I was at I, I was looking at Chicken Hawk. Actually, it's kind of neat how flick, they have their Flickr page because it's every checkpoint for for the year. So uh-huh. they have the two thousand fifteen at Forest Hill, Red Star, uh, Devil's Thumb. So they have Chicken Hawk. They have all of the different pictures from the different stops. So that's kind of cool. It is sort of neat because a lot of people, you know. They, they don't allow crews at every stop. So a lot of people never see those spots. Yeah. So, so it's sort of cool. And it's neat for, to see the same horses, you know, one after another, because then they, they start to look, you know, they look pretty good there. Starting to look a little tired there. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, just on any hundred, but especially Tavis, the horses are going to go through low, you know, low periods. And then they perk back up once it cools down a little bit later in the evening. And, um, you, you know, I know my horse does. He'll have a low point at, say, maybe Francisco's. And then um, he eats really good there. Let him have, you know, a little bit of a longer break. And then we move on. And by the time he gets to the next stop or the finish, he's perked back up and he's looking a lot better. Well, you know, there's one thing that you so have I to think- worry about on this ride, and that's your horse's feet. And I know you've got that covered. I do. I'm going to be using Renegades again this year on Tevis. And no, I'm oh, using orange, okay. but orange and teal kind of, yeah, you know, well, you know, endurance riders like mixing and matching bright colors and stuff. Yeah. So, yes, I'm going to do the, you know, the plain old renegade orange, which is nice because as soon as you look down, you can see that they're there. That's true. Which is, <laughs> which is important. And I'm going to use the glue on boots this time. Normally, I use strap on boots um, just because they're easier. You know, you can put them on as soon as you're done with the ride, you take them off and you're done. Whereas with the glue on, 
sometimes, you know, you got to do the prep and glue them on. And then when you're done <laughs> and you're like with Tevis and you're tired, then you're like, oh, I got to go pry these glued on boots off. It's like, oh, gosh. So, you know, but during the ride, it's it's just kind of nice because, you know, it's one more thing you don't have to worry about. You know, you don't have to worry about cleaning out your horse's feet overnight or anything like that because they're completely protected by the boots, which um, another benefit of using the boots is when you go over, say, Cougar Rock, you're going to have better traction than if you were in metal shoes. I also like... I wondered um, about that because the metal shoes are going to, unless you have Borium or something or or studs of some kind, you're going to be a little bit slippery. On, on any of those big rocks. Exactly. And and then also there's some pavement, like when we leave Forest Hill and go through um, that little town there, um, we, we've got a couple blocks of pavement to go through. And at that point, you know, you're trying to make time because you want to get as far as you can before it gets all the way dark. And so having the boots on makes me feel a lot more comfortable to trot along those sections. Do you have a slipping nice. problem at all with the boots? I haven't. Oh, I've, um, you know, and that's the nice, you know, I got to give some credit to the horse though. He's very sure footed and, you know, he's carried me through four Tevises so far without any problems. And, and, and your and, boots will stay on the whole time. You don't have a problem with that using the renegades. I haven't. I I've done Tevis actually with the strap on boots. Um, one, one time. And then another time I started with glue-ons and I had some bad glue. Um, and so I started losing the glue-on boots. I ended up riding most of Tevis with the strap-ons because once I lost the glue-ons, I would just throw a strap-on boot on because I always carry a couple of spares. And so I ended up finishing with three strap-on <laughs> boots and one glue-on boot. <laughs> and so, you, you know, that's why it's important. You know, every endurance rider doing a ride like Tevis needs to be carrying a spare, at least one, if not two spare, you know, strap-on boots. Um, and, uh, you I know, last year... Um, when I got into Red Star, which was one of the very first Fed checks, people were running all over the place trying to find spare boots from the riders that had lost some of their glue-ons. And um, fortunately for me, I guess, and not for them, Bo takes a size two on all four of his feet. And most horses have smaller feet than that. So, you know, my spare boots were no use to anybody else, which was good because I needed them just in case I might right, need them. Exactly. And I, and it turned out I didn't, you know, so, um, so yeah, my advice, to anybody listening, if you're riding or crewing, make sure your rider has, um, it brings along a spare, uh, boot or two. You do lose a glue on boot or even a shoe, you, you know, you need to be able to throw on a boot and, and keep going and not risk having your horse get sore by, you know, going over all the rocks and, and that sort of thing. But, um, yes, and Renegades can be found at renegadehoofboots.com. They come in several different colors. They have a couple of different models um, based on the shape of your horse's feet. So if you need help with sizing or measuring, um, just go to renegadehoofboots.com and give them a call or send them an email, and they will do what they can to help you out. 
Well, we won't be talking to you again before you head out on Tevis. Have a great time. We're going to be with you in spirit and uh, guiding you along. You You have a lot of fans out here that are going to be looking for, we can't wait for your next episode to come tell us all about it. So exciting. I know. And sometime in the next week, I think they'll, they'll assign all of our writer numbers. And basically that's all you'll need when you go to the TevisCup.org website and go to the webcast Krista was talking about and to the Where's My Writer, you just need to type in your writer number. So a lot of people will go through and and write down the numbers of the writers that they want to follow. And then you just type that in and it'll instantly pull up, you know, as soon as stuff starts getting updated during the ride day and you'll be able to follow the writers and it'll show the times in and out of all of the checkpoints, which is kind of cool. So hopefully you'll see me going through all of the checkpoints yeah, going in and leaving. leaving. <laughs> that's the important part. <laughs> I know, I know. You know, and it's just one ride, but uh, it's such a big event, you know, and there's so much involved with, you know, getting ready. It's like as soon as I knew I was entering, then it's like, oh gosh, I have to do the heat training. I've got to get, make sure my horse can handle the heat. And like, uh, Dr. Bullock was saying, you have to train in the conditions that you're going to compete in. And of course, this week, it's cooled off. So (laughs) it's like been 75, 80 degrees. And it's like, ah, I'm not getting my heat in. Um, Well, you can always drive down to Jamie's house in Phoenix. She would be happy to help you get heat. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, actually, I kind of, there's a shortcut you can kind of take. And I Um, What I do is I'll put either a rump rug on when we ride or a sheet and I work the horse um, just free lunging him um, for, you know. And a he's certain going, amount of what time the to work hell up a sweat. What are you doing, head. lady? It's hot out here, and you have a sheet on. Uh, yes, I know. I and every year, my neighbors, I'm sure, are looking at disbelief, going, "I have you're the weirdest your neighbor. Horse. <laughs> She's exercising her horse with a sheet on. What the heck? You know, I'm sure it, it probably does look really funny. But you know, we wanted. You know, we're all kind of crazy like that. We want to do the best we can for our horses and have them be as prepared as we possibly can get them. Well, good luck, girl. Thanks. And we'll look forward to hearing all about it next month. And of course, if people want to keep a track on you on your blog, where do they go? KarenChatton.com. KarenChatton.com. We'll be back tomorrow here on Horses in the Morning. Jamie will be back. And then Mary Kitzmiller on Thursday. And then, of course, really bad ads coming up on Friday. Get your bad ads in. Uh, just uh, send them to Jennifer at HorseRadioNetwork.com. Go to Craigslist and look for some really crappy horse ads or trailer ads or anything farm-related. And if you want to read them to us, uh, just read them on your phone. Phone recorder, send them over in a voicemail. That's been a lot of fun. We've been having a lot of listeners doing that, too. That's it, Karen. Good luck. Thank you.